0: Today we are continuing a series that Pastor Jamie started last week, which is called Fresh Air. Everybody, everybody do this, go... just feels good to do that every once in a while. How many of y'all have, ever have just kind of one of those weeks and you just kind of need to stop and just go... You know what I mean? Like you're in the middle. How, how many of y'all, like your, your children are driving you crazy and you're just like just breathe. Just breathe for a minute. Breathe there. Okay, so uh, as we're, as you think about this series, that's what I want you to kind of think of. I want you to kind of think of, okay, our, our, our idea with this series is that uh, last week, Pastor Jamie shared a, a, a message called The Choice, which is that we really have a choice when it comes to being stuck in our lives. We all come in these phases in our lives, these seasons of our lives, where we just feel like we're just stuck. You ever feel like that? Maybe you're in that right now. You just feel like, Man, it's just monotonous. You just keep going through the same thing, and that can be your relationship with the Lord, your relationship with your spouse, your 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 job. You just feel just feel stuck, and uh, in all of that, that God's desire is that we get unstuck and that we breathe fresh air. We, he talked about this place called the Doldrums, which is the place in between where the, kind of the, the, the northern hemisphere and the southern hemisphere meet, and there's no air. There's no air, so you can't go anywhere. It's just you're literally stuck. And so we gave a, a, a verse last week week which is kind of our theme verse and if you have your notes everybody hopefully should have some notes if you don't have any notes if you don't have any notes, raise your hand. Okay. It's just a couple. Um, we'll get you some. Um, but we want to go to Deuteronomy chapter 30 and uh, we'll have it on the screen too. And read a little bit about what this means and kind of the two choices that we have. And this is at Deuteronomy chapter 30, um, verse 19. It says this day, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I've set before you. Now you're going to see the two choices here. And this is A little bit of what Pastor Jamie shared about last week, and it's this, is that I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. Now choose life. And so what we're going to talk a little bit about today is that you have pretty much a choice. You have a choice to to kind of stay stuck in these doldrums of what we talk about, which is which is death and stuck and and a place of curse. Or you can choose life, which is a place of of fresh air and blessings. And we so desire for you to choose life. And so we're kind of sharing four really fresh air principles. Last week, the fresh air principle was just to fall in love with Jesus. Really, this is, I hope if anything, if you come to our Savior's church for any duration of time, you're going to just find out that our sole main desire is for you just to love Jesus. And for you to realize how much Jesus loves you. Um, Really, you can't fall in love with Jesus until you come to the understanding of how much God loves you. And he loves you so much. And, and so anything that we're going to do, whether you're meeting with one of our staff members or elders or hopefully any of our team members, we're just going to push you to a place of, man, just spend time with Jesus. Just connect with Jesus. It's actually one of our core values, which is connecting to Christ. And that is really what yesterday was, uh, last, when, last Sunday was all about, was about connecting to Christ, falling in love with him. Today, we're going to talk about something that I'll, I'll be honest with you. I I struggle with. This is one, this is going to be yet again. seems like every time I preach here, I preach messages that are very personal to me. And this is one that maybe if you were really honest, you probably deal with too. And, and it, and it has a lot to do with why we get stuck in life. And it's because of this, our attitudes, our attitudes, uh, we just have a hard time controlling our attitudes. Our attitudes can affect a lot about where we are. And, and can we all be honest? I mean, in the culture, in the day and age that we live in, attitudes are at their worst. True? I mean, some of you that are maybe in the older generations, you look at children nowadays, and you're like, if I would have said that, I would have gotten slapped, Yeah, you know what I mean? Mama would have risen from her grave and come and slap me if I would ever have heard somebody say that to their parents. But just the attitudes in in this day and age, and it's not even amongst children or teenagers. I mean, you cannot turn on the news now and not see that we live in a world where people are just full of turmoil and, and war and chaos and people killing people and just things that are just going on where you just wake up and you're like, Dear God, are we living in the end times? And the, and the truth is, yes, we are. We are. We're living in end days. And actually, we're going to read a scripture. Let's go there, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Because the Bible says that in the end times, not only are we going to see earthquakes and, 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 and wars and, and all this stuff go on kind of in the natural world, but it says that we're going to have some jacked up hearts, we're going to have some messed up hearts. Look, let read this with me. Second Timothy three, starting in verse one, it says this, but mark this, mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. So let me just go ahead and kind of drop the bad news on right now. Our world will not get greater. And however much people fight for peace, that's not going to happen. Okay. it won't. The Bible says that in the end days, it's actually going to get worse. It's going to get worse. There's going to be terrible times in the last days. People will be... Look at a couple of these things. People are going to be lovers of themselves. They're going to be lovers of money. They're going to be boastful. They're going to be proud. They're going to be abusive. They're going to be disobedient to their parents. They're going to be ungrateful, unholy, without love, and unforgiving. Now, notice that the majority of all of these are dealing with heart issues. Right? These aren't, there's going to be earthquakes and wars and, and those are going to be some signs of end times, but these are really dealing with hard issues more than anything that they're going to be ungrateful. I want you to look at these last four, because we're going to talk a little bit about these last four, because before we can really talk about what it is to have a Christ-like attitude, what it is to have the attitude in the mind of Christ, we got to look at where's the problem. Where is the problem? We know it's a heart issue, but let's, let's see what's flowing out of our hearts. Let's look at these four. Okay? So if you're taking notes with us, write, write this first one down. That, that we're going to see that, that people in the end times, they're going to be ungrateful. They're going to be ungrateful. Which is ungrateful at its core is we get so focused on what we want that we forget what we have. Isn't that what pretty much ungratefulness is? If you summed it down, ungratefulness is you're so focused on what you want that you forget about what you have. Now, I don't know if y'all know this, but just in this past week, the brand new iPhone 5S just came out. Do you know what that means? That means your phone is junk now. That's what that means. It means yours isn't a cool color anymore. You have to get one that has a color on it. You know, it's, everything's gotta be faster and smaller and better. And, and so everything that you have now is not as good. And as the new cars roll out, and now that means yours is not as good anymore. And, and you can't watch TV now without feeling like, oh, I have to have that. And it's, it's, you know, it's, our culture is dialed into this idea of we need more and we have to have more. And in, in our striving of having more, we forget what we do have. And so we become extremely ungrateful for what we have. I I don't, you know, for all those that are uh, born um, in a little bit later than the 90s, you you will remember. There's a couple things that we really appreciate. How many remember uh, having to run with a Walkman? How many remember what a Walkman was? Remember what a Walkman was like with a cassette or, or a CD player? And you had to like strap that on when you went on a run. And you like ran really, you know, really carefully because you didn't want to skip the CD and you have to start the song all over again. OK, I, I remember a Rolodex. OK, I know what a role. OK, for all those that are probably 20 and younger, you don't even know what the, a Rolodex is. Actually, you didn't have a phone that had all the numbers in it. Nevertheless, did you even have a cell phone? <laughs> you, you had to have, you had to write it on a piece of paper and file it away. And my, my grandma still has one. I don't know if she still, I, I think I see her busted out every once in a while. We've tried to upload most of those phones to phone numbers to her phone. But uh, yeah, it's the Rolodex. And how do you remember what, what was actually called? Like if you were lost, it was called a map, like paper. Like like, you were like, And you could never get it to fold back to the way it was originally. So you usually just kind of crumpled it up, threw it in the back, and it was back in there. But you had to actually unfold it and, and go. But now it's amazing how our phones literally have wiped all of that away. You don't need a Rolodex anymore, and you don't need a map anymore. And now you don't even really have to go to the library anymore. It's called just Google it, right? Uh, we just turned my grandmother, who's like 75, onto Google. She's like, I never knew of Google. She, she now, just this past week, got an Instagram. My grandmother has an Instagram and a Facebook. And she is we're catching up with the times, and she's like, how did I miss this? She actually found out two weeks ago about YouTube. So I was like, stay away from there. You will get sucked into that vortex. You need to stay away. But that's, you know what, this is what ends up happening, though, is we actually, as, our, as and it's not a bad thing because technology has also leveraged incredible things for us. The gospel has been spread greater through, the, through ne- the leveraging of technology. I mean, Lindsay and I were talking the other day. We were watching a movie yesterday. yesterday um, and it was a movie, and it had a, um, like the very first airplane in it, which is the Wright brothers did. And it was, you know, canvas and wood. And we were watching it. And she said, man, you, can you think about the fact that just last week we went to Disneyland and we flew in an aluminum can in the air at like four or 500 miles an hour. Like... And at the beginning of the 1900s, like it was canvas and wood, like how far, like we can get to somewhere like I, you know, I had breakfast in California and I was having dinner in Louisiana. Like, it's just amazing at what technology has done. Now, here's the bad thing that what technology has done in the midst of all that it's created so much option and so many choices that actually our life has become worse because there's so many options out there. You know, before it was so simple. Do you want this or this? It's it's black or white. There was six channels on the TV, and now you have a thousand channels. And what ends up happening, though, is in all that, it creates a culture of where you think you're entitled to things... Because of what technology and what our age has done, you you feel entitled to have these things more than them being a luxury. Now it's a necessity, or what we think is a necessity. So actually what we end up doing is that we end up becoming extremely ungrateful for what we have you know? And so, uh, I, I deal with this with our boys and, you know, I deal with this in my own heart a lot of times, but I, you know, I'll do this with my boys all the time where if they go through these, these stages of like, dad, I gotta have this. I gotta have this. I'll do this very often is I'll bring them into their room and I'll open up their closet and I'll pick out a toy, whatever toy it is. And I'll pick out this toy and I'll say, do you remember when you got this toy? And they're like, oh, yeah, last Christmas. Yeah. Do you remember how you begged me for this toy? Like, it was the greatest toy on the planet. But you begged me and begged me for it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. When's the last time you played with this toy? And they have to think. And I'm like, exactly. Because here's the thing. New things become old fast new things become old fast and what ends up happening is this unsatiable desire to have to have new things which come on let's be honest new things are very intoxicating it's very it's nice to have new clothes and new shoes and new stuff it's great and there's there's nothing wrong with that i just want us to set i want us to come in here and speak the truth that if you have to continually have that it's like drinking sand you'll never be satisfied You'll always have to have the newer and the better and the greater. And so what we do is we focus so much on what we want that we miss out on what we have. And can, can we be honest? We actually do that in our relationship with the Lord. We focus on so much of what we want God to do in our lives that we forget what he has done. Right? We forget what God has brought me from. What he's brought me out of. And so we're continuing, God, I can't wait till one day I'm like this, and God, I, continue to fix this in me, and, and, and God is sanctifying you, and it's a lifelong journey, but can I just tell you, you're not where you used to be, can we be grateful for that? I'm not who I used to be, and I'm so grateful for that. So ungratitude and being ungrateful. The other thing, number two, is, is unholy. So that in the last days people will become unholy. And that's not just outward, like drinking or cussing or, or sleeping around or doing just different things that we kind of can quote-unquote look as unholy things. This is actually choices that you're making that are polluting your heart, that are polluting you. And that, that can be some of the smallest little details and the smallest little sins, but in those things they are creating shame and guilt and you maybe walk in here this morning and there's something that you've done this week that has created shame and guilt and you feel like you kind of walk in a little bit with your with your head down and and you know we say this a lot of times in our men's gatherings but you're only as sick as your secrets. And so if there's areas of your life where you're in some form of secret sin where you're the only one who knows about it nobody else knows then what ends up happening is you carry this guilt and shame with you everywhere and can I just give you some fresh air that Jesus knows that already. And He forgives you already. And there's grace and there's mercy and there's forgiveness in there. And you can walk in holiness. And Christ says, be holy as I am holy. There's this desire for us to be holy and be, to be perfect. Now, will we be that? No, we will blow it all the time. But yet, it's an attitude. It's an attitude of being unholy and having making unholy decisions. The third thing is this, unloving. Unloving. And l- before we can really talk about what it is to be unloving, let's talk about what it is to be loving. What is loving? Real love, at its core, is not about emotions or feelings. If, and if you've been married for any durations of time, you know that loving feeling wipes away pretty quickly. It, 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 it erodes for a little bit. The, if it's built on emotionalism, that, that's not there all the time. You know, to truly love someone is to be unconditional. To, to I, I wrote it, this is the way that I wrote it down. Loving is intentionally choosing, caring, or helping someone despite the consequences it may have on you. That's real love. Real love is intentionally choosing to care or help someone despite the consequences that it may have on you. And we live in one of the most unloving ages because our love is predicated, to be honest with you, on does it benefit me? That's why we have the divorce rate continually accelerates and skyrockets all the time. Because at the core, we don't really mean till death do us part. We don't really mean in richer or poor. We don't see all of those marriage vows that we make are not contract vows. They're covenantal vows. Y'all know what that is? A covenant vow is no matter if you uphold your end, I'll uphold mine. But in our day and age, we view love as as long as you do what you say you're going to do, then I'll do what I say. But that's not true love. And in 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 the end, it's actually very selfish love. It's motivated by self. And so we are going to create, and this is, you know, for all of us, we have to fight through these attitudes. If there's any attitude that I have to very, very carefully watch out for, it is this one. To be very unloving, to be very hard at times, to not have any compassion or care. I don't know if any of y'all are like that. You know, you have your certain ways of how you do things, and when that's kind of messed up, it's just kind of hard for you to, to think any other way or to be in relationship with someone who just thinks totally different than you. And it's just hard. Come on, let's be honest. It's just really hard for us to sometimes have relationships with people who think totally different than us because you just feel like the right way is my way. <laughs> that's the right. Ra- that's right. And the truth is, that's not. Sometimes that is right, but. A lot of times it's not. And so we, we become very unloving. And the last one is this number four is, 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 I think probably one of the biggest ones that at least if I think if we were to, to do a show of hands, I would think at least over 80% of the people probably in this room deal with, and that is unforgiveness. This is the idea that we've been hurt by somebody or something. And we have, at the root of, of unforgiveness is bitterness. We've, we actually, we've done messages on this. You can go back and listen to podcasts. Um, but um, forgiveness at its root is, is bitterness. That we're bitter at somebody about something that has been done. And, and, and unforgiveness can be something that somebody has willfully meant to do to you harm, or it can be somebody that didn't mean to do it to you, but you took it wrong anyways, and you're harboring unforgiveness towards someone. And we, we say this all the time, but unforgiveness has a lot more to do with you than the person who did the crime. Unforgiveness has a lot more do more to do with the proximity of the person to you than the than the offense that was done. See if somebody came into my house that was a stranger and stole some stuff in my house, that would hurt me. I would be a little offended, but I would get over it. Now, if family member or a close friend came into my house and stole some stuff, I'd be very offended. Why? Because of the proximity of the person that's to me. The closer somebody is to you, then the then the greater You are at being offended at them because, and it could be the smallest things. People have hurt us in big ways and have been strangers and you've been able to forgive that a lot easier. Come on, let's be honest than somebody who's really close to you that. Maybe you found out, talked behind your back about something, right? Isn't that true? we all deal with bitterness and we all deal with unforgiveness. But the reality of all that, if we apply the gospel to that situation is that Jesus forgave us when we least deserved it. And he forgave us before we asked for it. And the Bible says that what Christ has done, he who has freely received, freely gives. So the same free forgiveness that we have received, we give to other people. Because unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting it to affect the other person. The truth is it's affecting you. And so unforgiveness is a lot more about you and your heart and your attitude than it is about the person who's offended you or, or, or hurt you. And I'm not, I'm not saying that what somebody's done to you is not wrong you you probably were hurt in a very legitimate way and and I'm sorry for that. And just know that Christ is right there in the midst of all that and he he sees all that, but he wants us to turn to him. So that's unforgiveness. Okay. So right in front of us we we have a choice, okay? So let's let's look at this choice. John 10:10. 10, 10. Let's look in John 10:10. 10, 10. We're going to read this together. Now that we talked about kind of the four big parts of our hearts that That deal with our attitude, being unloving, unforgiving, um, ungrateful, and unholy, I want us to look at the choice that we have to make here. So it says this, the thief. I love how the Bible describes the enemy. He's a thief. What does a thief come to do? A thief comes to take. That's what a thief comes. A thief comes to take from you. And here's the great thing about the Lord. The Lord comes to give. He comes to give. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy but i have come this is jesus talking i have come that they have that they may have what say that word with me life everybody say it life and have it what to the full okay so god's desire is for us to choose to make a choice we can choose To allow the enemy to keep stealing from us and to keep us in a place of being stuck and and not having anything that's that's just stagnant. Or we can come and have life and have fresh air. And so I want us to, to look into now what it is to have a little fresh air. The title of today's message, you'll look at the top, it's called Good Medicine. And we're going to look at this verse. And this is kind of the verse that we're using for this. And it's Proverbs 17, 22. You've probably heard this verse before. But Proverbs seventeen twenty two says this. A cheerful heart is good medicine. Amen. A cheerful heart is good medicine. Good medicine. Nehemiah 8 says this. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Some of you need to kind of highlight this verse and go back and really meditate over what does this look like? A cheerful heart is good medicine. It's good medicine. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. So we're going to take a look at, I gave you all four uns. Now I want to give you all kind of four principles, four things that really are going to allow us to not live stuck in our attitude specifically. So number one is this, write this down. We got to make the choice every day. We got to make the choice every day. Now, I think actually the wrong thing was underlined here. I don't think it should be make the choice. I actually think the thing we should have underlined here was every day. Because I think a lot of people don't mind making the choice. I just don't think they like to make it every day. So they like to make the choice on Sunday, but not on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday when it really needs to apply the most. And a lot of times when you have the opportunity to get hurt the most, and have to deal with your attitude the most. It's easy to have an attitude, a good attitude at church. Unfortunately, you have to leave this place. <laughs> and uh, you have to go and face the real world and real people and, and real challenges. And so the first thing that we got to do is we've got to make a choice every day. And can I say this? When it comes to your attitude, you've got to make a choice. You've got to make a choice. There is a choice that you're going to make. And, and here's the reality of this. You might want to write this down. Life is... 10% of what happens to you and 90% on how you respond to it. Life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of the way that you respond to that life and to what comes your way. Um, you know, I'll be honest. Every time something bad happens to me, I want to justify why I'm in a bad mood. You know, so somebody's like, dude, what's the deal? And then you want to kind of go off and go, well, if it's just been one of those days, and you kind of want to just begin to tell everybody why it is okay for you to be pissed off. Right? Right? So you're like mad at the world, mad at your spouse, mad at, you know, and it was never your spouse or your kid's fault. It was maybe something that happened on at work or whatever, but you come home and man, you just, everybody knows you got a bad mood that you're, that you're just, you're hacked off at the world. And we seem to want to justify that by what happens to us. But if life is 10% of what happens to us and 90% of how we respond to it, then how we're respond, re- responding to it shows a lot more about where our heart is. Right. The fact that whatever that is, is causing this to come out of me is showing, uh, it's exposing this area of my heart that Jesus needs to deal with. Um, let's let's look at this verse and then um, and then we'll talk a little bit about this. Hebrews twelve one, Hebrews twelve one says this. Let us. That's all of us. Throw off. Everybody say throw off. If you can see that, un- underline those two words. Throw off. This, this means there is a responsibility that we have to have in this process. It's not just Jesus doing His thing, which He does. And Jesus works on us. But we, we are partnering with what Jesus and the Holy Spirit are doing in our lives. And so we're, we're throwing off everything. Everything that hinders. And the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. So, I, I've um, as as many of you know, um, Lindsay and I uh, are hosting a 5K along with an incredible team and in our church that has been such a blessing uh, to what all of this God has done uh, through this 5K so far. We are already just to let everybody know we are already the largest 5K in Jennings history already. We're still three weeks out, which is awesome. We're like thirteen hundred and something registrants. Um, it's been phenomenal. So in all that, I've, I've been thinking, man, you know what? We're, we're doing a five k. I've never ran in a five k. I'm hosting like the largest five k in Jennings. Never ran in one. <laughs> which just seems a little weird. And and so I have been, uh, Lindsay. And I, which are, my schedule's been off recently because of traveling so much. But so I told Lindsay, I need to start training for this. Like I need to start. Working out, and at least start running, or, or at least a, a slow brisk walk. You know, I gotta get something here if we're gonna be doing this. And uh, and so, to run this race, we went and began to go and research. The right kind of shoes, because if you don't get the right kind of shoes, you can actually hurt yourself a lot worse running, you know, in boots or something. I mean, you could damage yourself in a bad way. So we went and did all the research and found good shoes, went to a good running store and and had them look at how I ran and all this kind of stuff to figure out the right kind of sh- if any runners in here, you know how all that works. And uh, and then got like the running apparel and all that. But how 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 stupid of it would it be for me to go and train? with a backpack full of books and pants and the wrong shoes and everything. And I'm, like, I'm going to train like this. I would actually end up hurting myself in the long run in a major way. In order to run well, I needed to have the right equipment and the right stuff, and I needed to train well and train right. And the same is also in our walk with the Lord, is sometimes I just think that we like to pursue Christ and are totally fine with all the baggage. Our baggage has become normal to us. It's become normal. And the truth is, is that it's never meant to be normal. That's not the way we are meant to live. We're not meant, you know, um, our son has to wear this backpack all the time, which pumps medicine into his body. So people ask us all the time, like, does he ever worry about the backpack? And we tell him, no, you know why? It's normal to him now. He's been wearing it for nine months. Every day he puts it on. It's normal. But is that, is that a normal thing a three-year-old should be wearing? No, it's not. It's not. Eventually, we'd want that off of him. It's not normal on him. And so for us, attitudes that have creeped up in our lives have been attitudes that we've had for so long, we think it's normal. But can I tell you today, it's not normal. There's a better way. There's fresh air. There's a new perspective to life that God wants to give you. He wants you to have. You don't have to live life grumpy. You don't have to live life like everything's turned upside down and everybody's out against, against you. That's not the case. You don't have to live that way. God wants you to come and breathe fresh air. And so we got to learn to throw this stuff off, throwing anger and throwing all this. And, and I'll tell you, one of the greatest ways that, that I do that. And I I really feel like probably for any Christian, the way you do that is you pray, you pray and you pray and you pray and you pray and you you ask God for things. But not only on that, you know, what? most of my prayers start with they don't start with requests. They start with God. I'm just grateful. It actually comes back to gratitude. God, I'm just so thankful today. Am I where I want to be? No. Am I where I used to be? No. And so I got a lot to be thankful for. I woke up today. I can be thankful. You have a home. You can be thankful. Most of you have running water. You can be thankful. And of course, there's always somebody that's worse than us, and there's always somebody that's got it better than us. But at the end of the day, we have got to just begin to start our day with just praying. God, I just throw this off. So here's a prayer that I think maybe you could, you could start praying. This is kind of a, a prayer that we could start our day with. It says this, Dear Lord, so, so far I'm doing all right. I've not gossiped. I've not lost my temper. I haven't been greedy or grumpy. I haven't been nasty or selfish or self-indulgent. I haven't whined today. I haven't cursed. I haven't even eaten chocolate. However, I'm going to get out of bed in a few minutes, and I'm going to need a lot more help after that. I sometimes, probably, need to pray that. But let me let me give you a, let me give you a real prayer. Okay, here's a real prayer. Um, Psalms 19, verse 14. This is something you actually should wake up every morning and pray. God, today, may the words of my mouth, because we know that out of the heart, what, what, what happens? The mouth speaks. The mouth speaks. So, God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Now, that's a prayer you can pray every morning. You, O Lord, are my what? You're my rock. What does that mean? That means he's, he's not moving. That means as long as your life is built on him, you can't be shaken. He's your rock. No matter what you go through, no matter what that day holds for you, he is your rock. And then here's the other thing. He's your redeemer. So that means when you blow it today, he's going to redeem you and he is redeeming you and he has redeemed you. So, May the words of my mouth, may what come out of my mouth be pleasing. Ephesians 4 talks about what comes out of our mouths. And then it says, in the meditations of our heart, what, what am I thinking about? What am I pondering on? What, what, what's constantly consuming my heart? What am I worried about all the time? That's May that meditation of my heart, may those words of my mouth be pleasing to you. Come on, that's a good prayer, isn't it? All right, so let's go on to number two. Number two is this. So we've got to make the choice every day. Every day you need to pray and ask God, God, give me your attitude. Number two, we've got to develop a high appreciation for life. A high appreciation for life. And really, this is, this is how you view things. One of the greatest examples of this, aside from Jesus, Jesus is the by far the greatest example of this. But the other person that I think, right up behind Jesus in the Bible, that had the greatest perspective in view of life, was the Apostle Paul. This man was um, beaten and rejected and imprisoned. You know what? Actually, let me read uh, to you um, his, kind of like his, I guess, what would be, what has happened in his life. It's not in your notes, and you don't have to go there. I'll just read it to you. So I just want to give you a context of what this guy has gone through, and then we're going to share this verse of what he shares in, in response to all this that's going on. Listen to this. This is Paul. Five times I've received... This is 2 Corinthians, if you just want to go look at it later. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four uh, through 29. It says, Five times I've received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes lest one. Y'all, y'all know Jesus got beat with the whip? 39 times y'all know that Paul got that five times, five times. So five times 39. Um, I don't know what that is. All right. Uh, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Okay. That's with real stones. Um, three times I was shipwrecked. You would think, okay, I don't know about y'all. You go on a plane, the plane crashes, you go, I'm not flying anymore. Right? Right. Okay, no planes in those days. There were ships. Okay, he goes on a ship. The cruise line sinks, and the brother goes on more ships, and two more sink. Okay, we're not. I want us to put in perspective some things that have gone on. You know, you get in a car accident. Come on, how many? Of you know you get back in the car. You're a little more skittish. With kind of doing that. So this guy's three times he's, he was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. Literally, a night and a day he was floating in sea. On frequent journeys, I was, listen to this, I was in danger in rivers. I was in danger from robbers. I was in danger from my own people. I was in danger from Gentiles. I was danger in the city. I was danger in the wilderness. I was in danger at sea and in danger from false brothers. His brother's in some danger. <laughs> I don't know where he's going that he's not. I think he listed them all out here. It says, in toil and in hardship, through many a sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from all those, there's the daily pressure on me and of my anxiety for all these churches. Paul was planting churches like crazy. He's going, above all this stuff, I'm constantly worried about all these churches I've planted. Who is weak that I'm not weak, and who is made to fall that I'm not indignant? If I will boast, though, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. Now, here's a couple of the realities that I want you... I was reading this, actually, passage two weeks ago, and the reality that came to me in reading this was this is a man who was receiving all this because he was obeying Christ. Now, normally you would think this is a man who's getting this because it's the wrath of God and he's running from God. This man's getting this stuff in his obedience to Christ. Like this man loves Jesus and he's stoned. This man is doing everything. Jesus says, go here. And he says, yes. And he goes there. And he's beat. Okay, so I I just, I say all that to say this. Following Jesus will be the hardest thing you ever do if you follow him closely. Because the same things he allowed Jesus and Paul to go through, he will allow you to go through. And why did he allow Paul to go through this? He allowed Paul to go through this stuff. One, for Paul to realize that his strength and his joy was not anything based off of the external circumstances, but based off of what Christ had done inside of him. And so I want us to bring us to this verse, which is 2 Corinthians 6. Look at this. This is now 2 Corinthians 6. And there's a reason. So that was 2 Corinthians 11. We back up five chapters to 2 Corinthians 6. And we can find out a little bit of why, why, why Paul had this thing. Look what he says. Sorrowful. Paul dealt with some sorrow. He says, yet always rejoicing. Poor. Yet making many rich. Having nothing, and yet possessing everything. You know why he says that? Because he has something that no one can take away from him Jesus. Jesus. You can beat me, you can take things from me, you can imprison me, you can do whatever you want to me, but in the end of the day, I still have joy and I still have peace and I still have hope because I still have Jesus. Amen? Amen. And I'm gonna tell you the the secret to having this kind of attitude. How many how many wanna hang out with a guy like this? Man, I want to I wanna this these are the type of friends I want. Sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Hey, how's how's things going? It's a terrible week, but Jesus is still good. It's been terrible, but Jesus is awesome. It's been rough, but you know what? I'm living. I'm breathing. Come on, what would it look like if, if we just breathe some of that fresh air? And the way, the key to having a perspective like Paul had in this, there's a many keys, but I'm going to tell you, it's being grateful. A lot of it just comes back to being grateful. Being grateful for for what you've had and for what Christ has done. Look at, look at this verse. This is a great verse for gratitude. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 18 says, what does it say? It says, give thanks in what, come on, say it out loud in all circumstances. So that means when you lose your job. Yep. That means when you and your wife are going through some stuff. Absolutely. Means when your kids are like, I'm going to throw one out the door. Yes. There's a couple of things. God, thank you for this gift. I give them back to you. Um, (laughs) It says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God's will for you is to give thanks in everything. Our joy is not based off of what's happening. Our joy is based off of who. It's not based off of a what. It's based off of a who. Uh, Yet again, you know, that's the same thing. And, and. you know, with the story of what God's been doing through Joel and our story has just been phenomenal. And to be honest, people go, well, you don't don't get a big head. It's been quite the opposite for me. It's actually been extremely humbling. Um, like I've wanted to cry at a lot of different times just to see the favor of God that's been in our family. But then also what God's doing through our story. You know, people come up to and go, I don't know how you do it. And I t- this is my kind of standardized answer in the, for, for people who say that the same God who does things in our lives and gives us the grace to get through this would do the exact same thing for you. There's nothing special about us other than the fact that we deserve an incredible God. And He gives joy and strength where we don't have it. He does. He gives strength. So whether it was you got a phone call tomorrow about something happening to a child of yours or to a a spouse, that same grace and strength that He has on us to walk through this is the same grace and strength He'll give you. I do feel like I'm his favorite at times, but it's not the case. I'm not, but I think it's okay to think that. But I'll tell you what has got us through. A lot of stuff is just coming back to a place of giving thanks. God, I'm just thankful. I'm not in the hospital. So grateful for that. There's just something to be always thankful for. Oh, it's raining outside. Oh, instead of always, oh, it's all raining outside. Great. We needed it. Awesome. Oh, it's bright, and all bright and shiny outside. Great, we need some sun. You know, there's always a way that you can look at things and be grateful for it. Oh, I don't have air conditioning, but you got a car. Come on, right, See what? Right, okay. So there's always something to be grateful for. Okay, there's there's no reason for us to always be depressed. I mean, okay. Anyways. So, we want to have a, a high appreciation for life. Number three is this find something, and these two words are definitely underlined right. Find something positive in everything. Because here's the truth you got to go look for it sometimes. <laughs> you got to go find it. Come on, I mean, you know when all hell is breaking loose and life just seems dark and all this stuff? It's kind of it, it, good things are just not right there. It's like, you got to kind of go find it, you got to go look for it. You got to go search for it. You got to ask God, God, show me something. But you got to find something positive in everything. Philippians 4 8, let's look at this. It says this. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true and whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure and whatever is lovely and admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. These are the things that should be flooding our hearts and our minds. Things that are noble and true and right and lovely and pure and admirable and excellent. And if it's not those things, stop thinking about them. Now, I know that that's a lot easier said than done. Right? I mean, you've got to fight for this. Because the enemy wants to continually plague your mind about all the things that you're anxious and worried about. So you're constantly thinking about just stuff that's going on. And what is this? And what is this in this relationship and this thing and this stress and this anxiety. And and I just want you to breathe some fresh air today and go, listen, let's just think about what's true. A lot of things that we're thinking about is gossip or false or lies. God's saying, listen, think about what's true. And, and a part of this is you got to retrain your mind. And I'll say where you got to retrain your mind the most. You got to retrain your mind when it comes to people. Because, when it comes to people, there's always going to be two sides. There's always something bad in somebody. Okay? You know, Lindsay and I used to say this, we'd laugh about it because when we when we were doing premarital counseling, we've been married for ten years now, and we did premarital counseling and our premarital counselor sat across with us and said, like when y'all fight, like what happens? And we looked at each other and we looked at him, we kind of smiled, and we we're like, We don't fight. <laughs> and I'm sure the counselor was like, ha <laughs> But that was just the truth. We just we really didn't. And then we got married. And then we found out that we were both sinners. Um, And then we both found out that we have children that are sinners. And then we multiplied those by three. And so now we have a lot of sinners in a home. And it creates for a lot of conflict and tension and sin and and forgiveness and repentance. And in all of that, we have to retrain our mind uh, when it comes to people. Because there's always something bad in each of us. But at the same time, there's always something great inside of each of us. And our, our desire, really, I'll be honest, our desire is we hope to continually see the potential of God in your life and call that out. You go to some churches and they're constantly calling out the things that you don't do well. But the truth is, you already know about that, right? You walk in here and you know what you struggle with, okay? And God knows that. We want to pull out what you are not thinking about, which is the potential of God in your life, the destiny of God on your life, what you could do, not what you can't do, but what you can do, what God can do through you, what God wants to do through you. Okay. Cause the enemy constantly wants you to think about all the stuff that you can't do, all the stuff that you have done and all the things that the enemy wants to get. That's how you get stuck. Right. But God wants to pull you out of that and say, listen, I, I, I know all that already, but this is what I can still do through you. And that's the greatest news. God, the, greatest, the greatest news of the gospel is that God uses broken, messed up people for His glory. That's the greatest news on the planet. That you don't have to be perfect. That you walk in here and go, well, I'm not all perfect. Well, good. Welcome to the house of people who aren't perfect. People who need Jesus. Okay, that's why we worship. We come together because we're all imperfect, jacked up, messed up people who need Jesus. So we can worship together because we know the person right next to me, however may he may be faking it. He's jacked up and he's Jesus, too. Okay, so we can. Here's the deal. We can be very open about our problems because it's not a surprise to God. And it should really never be a surprise to each one of us that we struggle. That's life. And, and as long as we are on this world, we will struggle with sin and we will struggle with pride and all these uns, but that doesn't mean we have to stay there. I say this all the time. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay there. So if you're not okay, that's okay, but it's not okay to continue to allow the enemy to keep you there as if it's branding you and identifying that that's just what I'm always going to be. Y'all with me here? Okay. Okay. So Jesus is here today. and He's going, it's okay that you're not okay. Jesus came for sinners. So it's a good place to be. But he doesn't want you to stay there. He wants you to live holy and upright and pure. Amen. All right. Number four, last one. We're wrapping it up. So let's go through these. So make a choice every day. We've got to develop a high appreciation for life. We've got to find something positive in everything that we do. And then number four is we've got to turn everything over to God. See, you can still do all these things, developing a high appreciation for life and and being grateful and finding something positive and making the choice every day, but the reality of all of that is going to come down to the fact that problems will still come. You still may get a call this week that may alter your life. That's just the reality of it. You know, you can eat healthy your entire life, And cancer don't care about that. They don't care. Still invade, still do its work. Disease is still there. We live in a sinful world with sinful natures and sinful people and bad stuff still happens. So the truth that we have to ground ourselves in is this. We have to learn to turn things over to God because every day, every week, every month, every year, we're going to face some stuff that we weren't ready for. Okay, and so we have to learn to turn things over to God. The reason why most of us are stuck or unhappy is because we're trying to handle things on our ourselves that God never called us to handle on ourselves. We're trying to do things that he wants to do, but we say, no, I got it. So let me read this verse to you. Philippians four, six. Don't be anxious about anything. Well, that sounds easy. <laughs> Don't be anxious about anything. Okay, all right. I just won't be anxious about anything. But here, what does he say? But in everything, by prayer and petition, with what? Where's that? What's that word again? And just man, just keeps kind of coming around, doesn't it? Being thankful and grateful. Okay, so that's it's even saying in the way that you pray. In the way that you pray. Let your prayer be covered with thankfulness. And it says this, present your request to God. So that means you can come to God and tell him what you need. Amen. That's okay. okay. It's not like, oh, I feel like I'm being selfish. No, God's asking you to do it. Come to me, but come to me with gratitude. But come to me and tell me what you need. Don't be anxious. Let me know that. And it says this, and this is what's going to happen. The peace of God. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It'll guard your heart and guard your mind in Christ Jesus. Now, y'all remember the prayer that we said we need to pray in Psalms 19? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my what? Of my heart. Okay, right? May it be pleasing unto you. This verse talks about our mouth and our heart because it says that when the peace of God comes, it transcends our understanding and it guards What? It guards our hearts. So prayer, covered with thanksgiving, petitions to the Lord of what we need, allows us to say, God, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know what's going on here, but I trust you. I trust that you're going to work those things out. I trust that you're going to give me the strength that I need. I trust you that you're going to provide financially for us. I trust that you're whatever it is, but we're constantly declaring our gratitude and gratefulness to the Lord. And trust to him. And the Bible says when he does that, his peace comes as a flood in a way that you don't understand it, but it guards your hearts and your mind. And that's what we want, right? And what in that and what entails in that is then we have an attitude, which is a lot more Christ like says, which transcends all understanding and will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Let me say this. It can't be God's problem and your problem at the same time. You got to make a choice. Will you hand it over or will you hold on to it? And here's the thing about God. He will let you hold on to it. He will let you hold on to it. Until you get to a place where you can't hold on to it anymore, and then he gracefully says, "Let me take that from you," and he gives he breathes fresh air. <sighs> Any of y'all ever like traveled with like a a heavy backpack or something for a long time, and you've just you know a long time you've had it, you've had it, you had it, and then maybe at the end of the day like you took it off, and you're like, <sighs> you know you know what i mean it's like <sighs> Whew, I didn't realize, man, that was... Okay? Here's the deal. Today, you might have walked in with Karen all that stuff, but you don't have to walk out of here with that. We can take that off. And you can walk out. Fresh air. Fresh air. This is what 1 Peter 5, 7 says. It says, cast all your anxiety on him. All those worries... Other translations say, cast your cares on Him. Because when you do that, you, you cast it on Him because He cares for you. He cares for you. He wants you to know that He cares for you. Philippians 2, 5-11 says this. This is, this is what it says. It says, your attitude. This is what our attitude should be like. Your attitude should be like that as the same as Christ Jesus. And now it's going to begin to describe what Christ's attitude was like. Listen to this, because this is is how we need to have our attitude. This is what Christ did. Who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Okay, so we know that Jesus and God, Jesus is is God, just as God the Father and the Trinity of the Holy Spirit. But he did not consider it to be equality with God, so he made himself to be his creation, which was man he stripped himself of his godlessness or godness and put all that aside and became man this is what it says being made in the human likeness actually let me say he made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man what did he do come on say it out loud he what he humbled himself and became obedient to death So we're talking about with Paul. These are people who obeyed Christ, obeyed God, and yet resulted in some hard things. Death, death on a cross. Therefore, because Christ has done all this, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. And that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. So here is our fresh air principle for this. Choose a Christ-like attitude. Choose a Christ-like attitude. You have a choice. Death, life, blessing, curses, doldrums, fresh air. Choose life. Choose Christ-like attitude. Choose that. It's a choice you're going to have to make. Tomorrow morning, you're going to have to make that choice. You're going to have to wake up in the morning and choose. Am I, going to, am I going to have a cheerful heart that's like medicine? Or am I not? Which becomes actually poison to myself. Because the truth is, your attitude, however much it does affect other people, the truth is it affects you more than anybody else. Unloving, ungrateful, unforgiving, all of those uns, they do affect other people. They affect your spouse and your family. But the truth is, they affect you a lot more. And, and, and what Christ is coming today and he's saying is, I don't want you to have those. God never meant for our heart to be that way. Sin has created that. And Christ come and he bore on the cross our sins that we committed and uh, we can come to Christ today, we can give him our failures, and we can invite him into our life, and you can be transformed into his likeness. You go, well, I can never have Christ's Christ mind. Yes, you can, because when you have the Spirit of God in you, what Christ has, you have. So we have total access to everything that Christ had, which is awesome. Come on, that's amazing. That's a part of the good news, is that everything that Christ has, we have the same power he had to rise, raise from the dead is the same power that lives and resides in us. Unfortunately, we just don't tap into that. We don't tap into that. So what would it be like if we were a people who tapped into what Christ has given? And one of those starting with our attitude. How would our, our life be different if we were to take on these? If, how would our job be different? I mean, the truth is, we as Christians should be the greatest employees any job should ever have. We should have the greatest attitudes. And the truth is, most Christians are terrible employees. Terrible they, I guess they think they're entitled, that they don't have to do things. They like to preach to people, but they just don't like showing up to work and actually working. And a part of having a Christ-like attitude is the, is the part of us being a servant and humbling ourselves and being the most humble people. We'll do anything and do, do it all to the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we, we come to you right now, God, and we, we ask that you would take this word and, and, and this, this mindset of, of having a Christ-like attitude. And God, would you help us? We are um, stating today our need for you. And God, I, I know personally for myself just the need to connect with you and to pray and to be grateful but God, all of that stems out of just a relationship with you. Lord, just realizing how much you have done and what you are doing in our lives. And God, I, 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 just, I repent, Lord, for myself and, and my ungratefulness and my unloving heart at times and, God, my unforgiveness in areas. And God, I, I want to throw that off. I want to throw that away. God, I want to take on your mind and your heart. Come on, just with our, our heads bowed, if, if maybe you're in here today and you just say, you know what, I, my attitude has definitely been nothing Christ-like whatsoever. And, I, and I just hearing this message just challenges me to begin to view things with a high appreciation for life. But beyond that, even just having just, just Christ's mind, gratefulness being a part of my life. But you would say, first and foremost, I just know that my relationship with God is not where it needs to be. I, I Maybe I haven't surrendered my heart and my life to Him. Which is definitely the first way of us having a Christ-like mind is understanding Christ. Christ, He's paid for everything. He's paid for your sins. He knows you need Him. He's just waiting for you. He's just waiting for you to choose life. And you say, you know what, today, Pastor Jasa I want to choose life. I want to choose Christ. If that's you, just... Right there where you are. Can you raise your hand? Okay, great. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. For those that are here and you know Christ, you're saved and you're you are, your justification is set. You, you know you're going to be with Jesus, but just lately you've just had a battle. Maybe you've just been stuck. And maybe it's just been in this area. Your attitude has just been not one that's been pleasing to the Lord. And you go, you know what? I just, I want a renewed heart, renewed mind. I want to have what we read in Psalms, that, that my mouth, the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth would be pleasing to the Lord. And you know what? I just want to pray that God would just really help me with this. If that's you, would you raise your hand just all over this place? Come on. All right. Awesome. All right. Let's pray. So father, we come to you right now. Come on. Would you just, would you just right there? Just kind of just lift your hands. That's just God. I just received from you. Father, we just come right now, Lord. And We. We receive from you your spirit that changes lives. God, I I pray, Lord, for the person that just raised their hand, God, and said, you know what? I just want to make Jesus Lord of my life. I want life in Christ. God, I thank you that you have forgiven sins. And I thank you you're making her right now into a new creation. All old things have passed away and new has come. God, I thank you, Lord, for on the cross you've paid for sin. And, God, we just repent of that right now, Lord, we turn to you. And we thank you for your new life that you're giving her. But, God, I pray, Lord, also for those today who just say, you know what? I want the declarations in my heart and my mouth to be pleasing to the Lord. No longer to be filled with negativity and criticism and worry and anxiety. But, God, when those things try to creep on us, God, that we would pray and that we would seek you. And we would learn to appreciate the things that you have given us. Lord, we want to be a grateful people, a generous people who recognize all that you have done and all that you're doing. And God, would you, by your Holy Spirit, change, bring change in each one of them. Lord, we thank you that this is not something we can do on our own, but we partner with you in cooperation with your spirit. We ask that you would change those areas of our lives. In Jesus' name amen amen amen, amen. I, I hope you were encouraged i just continue to challenge you listen this is my challenge of the week my challenge of the week is that you would start your mornings um with turning things off turning news off turning radios off turning facebook what are just different things off just turn them off and would you just take just some time and just connect with the lord and just ask him to give you this because this is something we got to ask for Okay, God, would you give me this perspective? Would you give me this heart? Because listen, when when something happens that day, that week, an employee just does something to you that just wants to cross you, that you would come back to that place of that morning going, God, you know what? Bless them. Bless them. Be with them. Lord, help them. Um, Help me. And uh, I believe God's going to help us be able to walk through some hard things knowing that his spirit's with us. Amen? Amen.